Welcome back to the Joseph Carlson Show. We have a very full episode ahead of us. This is Earnings Week 2. We're going to be doing a review of every company reporting earnings, at least the notable ones. I'll be giving my thoughts on them, what I think is going to happen, and how I believe these companies are positioned. Now, week one was last week, and that one was exciting because we start off earnings, but really we only had a couple really notable companies report earnings. Most of the attention was on Netflix and Tesla, two very volatile stocks reporting earnings. So we got through that, but this week's different. As you can see, there's a whole wall of companies, but there's a lot more that are notable big companies than last week. These are much bigger, more notable companies. And as you can see, I've gone through this list. I've highlighted the ones that I think are the most notable, circled them in red, and those are the ones that we're going to be reviewing in this video. So we have Domino's, which just reported their earnings. I'll be giving my thoughts on that. Then tomorrow morning, we have Verizon. This company, I have some thoughts on Verizon I, I, and AT&T for that matter. I don't have AT&T selected but I'll be grouping Verizon and AT&T together. But then we have Spotify, we have Microsoft, we have Google, we have Snapchat and Visa, all on the same day. Tomorrow is going to be a very, very busy day. Spotify is facing a new competitor. I'll be talking about the new competitor. Microsoft is one that uh, I have a huge holding in. Same with Google, so I'm very bullish on those companies. And same with Visa. So I like three out of those four companies. Snapchat, not quite as much, but I'll be talking about that company as well. Then we get into Wednesday, which we also have highly anticipated earnings. You have Coca-Cola, and that's usually the same. Usually Coca-Cola isn't too crazy. Then we have Union Pacific. That's a stock that I hold, so I want to share some thoughts on that. Then we have the most highly anticipated of the week, in my opinion, which is Meta. I think a lot of investors are looking forward to how this one's doing. After that, we get into Chipotle, we'll get into McDonald's. We have some of those food stocks that I have some opinions on. I really like some of these companies. And then we get into MasterCard, Crocs, two companies that I currently hold. And then after that, Thursday evening, we have Intel and Roku to close out the week. Those are the companies that I'm gonna be reviewing in this video. And we'll be going over all of it, the market position of these companies, the financials, and whether or not I believe they'll post strong earnings or weak earnings. So we have a ton to get to in this episode. Go ahead and get yourself situated, grab a drink, because we're gonna dive right in. Let's go ahead and start off with Domino's. Now Domino's just reported earnings a couple hours ago, and the results were mixed. They, they beat on their earnings per share estimates, but they missed by 50 million on their revenue. So I'd call this a mixed result, but overall, when I'm looking at earnings, even though a company can miss on one or beat on the other, I don't think that's the most important thing. Really, when we're looking at earnings, what I'm trying to determine is whether or not the company overall is moving in the right direction, whether it's growing its earnings per share, growing its free cash flow per share, whether the moat is widening, whether they're opening up more locations. I wanna see overall the business growing. So I try to really look at this as if I'm a business owner, not just someone looking at a couple numbers. I want to actually see overall how the business is doing. When I try to assess with this earnings report how Domino's is doing, I think this company's really great. I think it's a great company and I do think it's doing well. I think it's going through some temporary struggles with overall growth simply because of a huge pull forward of demand that it experienced a couple years ago with everybody being locked in their home. Pizza was a little bit of a go-to item. It's a bit like Netflix. Netflix had some pull forward during COVID. Domino's had the same thing. So they benefited a lot during that. And now trying to resume growth has been a struggle. It's a bit of a grind for Domino's. But I believe this company will do it. 
I think they're going to eventually surpass all-time highs. I look at Domino's here and they had growth and revenue of 5.8%. That's good. That's excluding FX, but that's that's decent growth. It's not bad. The problem is we don't have much same-store sales growth. You want to see same restaurant or same-store sales growth. If you're buying something like like, uh, Home Depot, you want to see same-store sales growth. If you're buying something like Texas Roadhouse, Domino's, Chipotle, McDonald's, you want to see same restaurant sales growth. That means they're selling more, at least in revenue, every single year at the same location. So with companies that are very consistent with this, the same store sales growth, they do really well. Those are companies like Costco. Domino's, again, is struggling with this metric ever since 2020. They did so well. They had so much demand temporarily pulled forward that now they're struggling against those comparators. So right now, it's been a struggle, but I really I really think this company can pull through it. They're opening up a lot more locations every single com- uh, quarter. The company had 253 gross store openings and 56 closures during the second quarter. So they opened up 200 additional net locations this quarter. That's great. The company's growing. Now, it doesn't look like the market is too concerned about this report either. It's up 1.51%. I think that's an appropriate reaction. The one thing that really deters me from owning Domino's, and the reason that I really don't have a big stake in this company, is because of the amount of debt. I just don't like how much debt a lot of these franchise companies have. Domino's in particular has around $5 billion of debt. $5 billion for a company that last year did around $800 million in EBITDA. So they're around five to six times debt to EBITDA, which is, uh, it's okay. They're not going to go bankrupt, but it's just a lot of debt. And I'd rather, I'd rather focus on companies, in my opinion, that don't have as much debt. So that's one of the reasons that I've ruled Domino's out. But that's not a big concern for most investors, and I think Domino's is doing great. Now let's move on to companies that I'm not so bullish on here. We have one of them right here, which is Verizon. Verizon reports tomorrow morning. And I'll group in AT&T because my comments are basically the exact same. They apply equally to both companies. So let's go ahead and bring them up here. We have Verizon here. And by the way, this software is called Qualtrim. You can try it out with the Patreon. But we bring up Verizon here and the company's up a little bit ahead of earnings. These companies, Verizon and AT&T, I believe are value traps. And I believe that they're value traps for a long period of time. Now, it's easy to say that they're value trap now because they're doing really poorly. But I believe they have been value traps long before they're even doing poorly, as bad as they are now. But both of these companies have a lot of shared characteristics that I find incredibly unattractive in investments. And the results show. Let's go ahead and take a look at the company's returns over the past decade. Verizon is down 32% in the past 10 years. 32%. It's in the red even with dividends reinvested over the past 10 years. That is incredible. It would be, it's it's difficult in my opinion to have zero returns for a 10-year period during a bull market running a company as big as this. It's like they had to work on not having good returns. And the same thing with AT&T. This is a company that attracts a lot of dividend investors because of the high yield. It's a company that really offers a huge payout but it's down nearly 44% over the past decade. It's suckering investors into buying this company and then providing them with a lot of volatility, income that doesn't make up for the total return loss. Even with dividends reinvested, you're still in the red over a 10-year period. 
and the returns don't look good even further out. If you go back 15 years or 20 years, it doesn't look good either. So neither of these companies are giving good results, and I don't believe that's happened chance. My thoughts on why these companies are not giving good returns is because they're bad companies. Simply put, they don't have attractive characteristics in an investment. They have an incredible, incredible amount of leverage. We look at the amount of debt that this company holds, 128 billion. That's more than the market cap of most companies that exist in the world. They're so indebted. And when you go into an indebted company, you have to deal with interest rates going up. You have to deal with debt schedules and payment dates. You have to deal with high interest payments. It eats into the earnings of the stock. AT&T has a ton of debt. Verizon has a ton of debt. Verizon has 100, I believe $136 billion of long-term debt, astronomical amounts of debt. And these companies will never get this debt paid off. It's just never going to happen. So I look at both of these companies, they're completely riddled with debt, and they also don't have high returns on capital employed. They're not capital efficient. They don't have ample growth opportunity. They don't have pricing power. They don't have anything except for maybe a significant moat, but within that moat, they don't have great economics. So both of these companies have very unattractive characteristics all around. And you can look at the earnings and they might beat, they might miss. But again, that's not the point we should be looking at. It doesn't mean the investment's great if they beat their earnings. We should be looking at the direction overall the companies are going. And neither of these companies, Verizon and AT&T, neither of them are going anywhere fast. So in my opinion, I think it's a mistake for investors to continually try to buy the dip in these companies when there's so many better options. Now, another company that's quite different that's reporting earnings Tuesday morning is Spotify. This is one that I really like the company. I really like, I like a lot of things about Spotify. I like the app. I like the user interface. I like the algorithms. I like that it's a founder-led CEO. I do believe that Spotify has pricing power. They're just raising prices again. They're competing with big tech and doing a really good job at it. Having said that, Spotify is now facing a brand new competitor that I believe will be a very big competitor. Now, if I was sitting in Spotify's executive boardrooms and doing discussions on competitive threats and trying to, to think of what do I think is the worst thing that could happen? What do I think is the biggest competitive threat we could face? TikTok would probably be the top thing. That's probably the biggest single threat that I could face in terms of competition. Because what other company has more of a plug into younger generation and music? TikTok really controls this industry. They're the ones that make viral hits in music. If a TikTok goes viral on TikTok, the song associated with that TikTok will be trending on, it'll be trending on Spotify. So this is what I think is a really not a good evolution for Spotify. I don't view this as a positive thing at all. TikTok's launching this new music app. They're styling it very similar to Spotify with a nice album art, the easy interface, right? Very simplistic, something that I think a lot of younger younger generation will really enjoy using and combining that right in the TikTok ecosystem combined with their already huge platform. I think it's just another thorn in the side of Spotify. I think it's another problem for this company to face, another big competitor that will take market share. I believe TikTok will grow to millions and millions of users in their TikTok music. So Spotify is down over 5% today. That is because of this news of TikTok's music app. And that happens. This company's down 5% when the rest of the market is in the green. You can see it refreshing there. The market's in the green. Spotify's in the red. 
And I agree with this sell-off. I think that this is not a threat. It's not a threat to be taken lightly. Now, the other issue I have with Spotify is Spotify is over a decade old and still not fully profitable on a free cash flow stock-based comp adjusted basis. And if a company is not profitable after over a decade, in fact, over 15 years, what are the odds of this year them becoming profitable or next year? What is the evidence you have when it takes that long to become profitable? They have nearly half a billion users on their platform. Why can't they generate a profit? And if they can't generate a real sizable profit with over 400 million users, what point do they need? Where do they need to get? It's a very difficult thing to say that they're going to become profitable at a certain time because of how this business is constructed. They have lower margins because the 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 people that own the rights to the music, all the labels, they're the ones that really take the economics. So even though Spotify is creating all the value, the algorithms, the advertising, the promotion, it's the labels that accrue all the value. And that's a bad relationship. I think it's unfair to Spotify, but that's just the way it is. So as long as that continues on, as long as Spotify continues to just grow in users, but never really has great economics, I'm going to remain on the sidelines. So my thoughts on Spotify. I think the company's still growing. It's growing daily active users. It'll grow its podcast. It'll grow its revenue. But revenue growth without great economics doesn't really amount to much. And that's the big question mark there. So what I'll be looking for with Spotify is are the actual economics improving? Now let's go ahead and move on to the big ones here. We have Microsoft and Google reporting earnings Tuesday after market close. Now I'm going to make a prediction here and I can't guarantee if this is correct. So I wouldn't bet on this, but this would be my prediction if I was forced to try to guess the outcome here. I believe that Microsoft, I believe it will beat on its earnings per share and I believe it will beat on its revenue. Top and bottom line beat and I believe the company will sell off ever so slightly. I think that's going to be the outcome if I had to guess. Now, the reason I say that is because Microsoft has a strong history of rarely missing their earnings per share and rarely missing their revenue estimates. They typically beat them. So they beat the analyst estimates. But in this situation, Microsoft has had such a good run. If we look at how this stock has traded, it's up 43% year to date. In the past one year, it's up 33%. We've had a, a really miraculous recovery with this company huge bull run with this company. And now the stock is trading at valuations that are, they're quite high. The valuations and expectations are higher than most companies. In fact, Microsoft is one of the companies in the market that I believe has the highest expectations of investors. A 27 Ford PE ratio, a 2% free cash flow yield. These are very high expectations, even for Microsoft. So I could see this company beating on its earnings per share, beating on its revenue. But if any little weakness happens, if there's any part of the report that's weak, if the cloud is growing slightly slower than expectations, then the stock could trade down three or 4%. I could see that outcome easily. Now, in terms of what investors are going to be focused on with Microsoft, I think the big one is going to be cloud. That is the new Microsoft. The thing generating growing free cash flows is the cloud business that's integrated into the rest of the company. So that's going to be the biggest focus is what did Azure do? What did the cloud part of the business do? There's going to be some questions about the acquisition. There's going to be questions about the other businesses, about the gaming division. But I still believe the cloud will be the biggest thing investors focus on. So another thing that could send Microsoft stock down is if cloud underperforms. 
I don't believe that will happen. I think cloud is going to come in strong. And I do think that if cloud comes in very strong or above expectations, the stock will go further high. So overall, I am bullish on Microsoft. Even with these high expectations, I think the earnings will be fine. I think they'll be passable. But I'm aware there's a really good chance that even with good earnings, Microsoft could have a little bit of a Netflix or Tesla situation because it's recently done so well. Now, of course, after Microsoft, we have Google on other highly anticipated big tech earnings. Google's a major holding in my portfolio, a company that I'm bullish on. I love the properties of this company. Now, it trades at a much lower valuation than Microsoft. We have a 17.8 Ford PE ratio and a 4% free cash flow yield. But this company does face challenges. It faces challenges that Microsoft doesn't. One of them is that it has a much higher percentage of its cash flows going to stock-based comp. And investors, especially activist investors like Chris Hone, have wrote into Google and said that you're you're basically not managing your costs well. You're paying developers too much. You have way too much stock-based comp impact. You need to cut costs. So one thing that investors are going to be looking at is if this company is effectively cutting costs and growing their revenue more than their expenses. That's going to be a big thing is the margins of the company and if they're cutting costs. The other thing, of course, is the free cash flow of the company. It's been a little bit flat for the last couple of years. And that's, again, a lot of the pull forward from COVID. You can see the huge spike up here. They need to resume growth from that point. So we'll be looking at the core businesses. We'll be looking at the growth and free cash flow. The other storyline and narratives of Google is going to be a lot of AI questions, ChatGPT, Bard, all the new AI stuff that they're creating. I think all that stuff is exciting. But for me, I still believe the core drivers of this company overall is going to be controlling expenses and having discipline to control the stock-based comp so it doesn't rise up and eat half the free cash flows, and then continuing to grow the core businesses, growing Google Search, growing YouTube, growing Google Cloud. The way that I believe Google could outperform current investors' expectations is by cutting expenses more than expected and by having Google Cloud lose less money than expected. If Google Cloud comes in with better economics than expected, I think that this stock is going to go much higher. Google's in a situation I really like. I like the setup for earnings. I like the valuation. I feel completely fine going into it. I'll be shocked if it has a major sell-off. Something will have to go really wrong for this company to have a sell-off. So right now, I'm very positive on the direction of Google. Next up, we have Snapchat. This company I have not liked for a long period of time. I don't generally speaking like social media companies as investments that much to begin with. Snapchat's a company that over the history of it, it really hasn't given any returns. We're looking since 2017 and it's down 48%. And while this has happened, while the stock is down nearly half and the retail investor has been burned in this stock, all the executives, all the CEOs have had major paydays with stock. They've given themselves massive compensation packages as this has happened. That's not a relationship I like. I like the relationship where it's like Buffett, where the executives and the owners of the company get paid with the rest of the investors in the company. So this isn't a company that I like how it's been managed. I don't like how it's been treating investors. And I think it's deceiving the way that they've done this by having incredible amounts of stock-based comp eating into the free cash flow of the company. And they try to act like that's not an expense. So when we look at this company, we look at the cash flows, we compare it to the stock-based comp, and it continually dilutes. Now, that's not to say things can't turn around. I believe Snapchat, for once, is actually headed in the right direction. I think that they're going to actually try to make 
free cash flows that exceed the amount of stock base comp. You can see this happening over the past couple of quarters. The management has indicated that they're trying to become truly profitable. So maybe I'll get surprised. Maybe things will actually go well for Snapchat. I'm open to that surprise. But as of right now, for me, this is a company that I'm not bullish on. I I think it's in a void. I think there's much better companies in the market. Now, after Snapchat, we have Visa, a company I really, really love. I don't own Visa, but I do own MasterCard. In my opinion, it's a flip of a coin of which one you want to own. They're both great, and they're both duopolies in the credit card processing. So Visa and MasterCard, I believe, are just amazing companies. I think so many investors are missing out on these companies because they view them as boring, outdated companies that don't offer a lot instead of exciting tech companies. In reality, MasterCard and Visa are both digital tech companies transferring huge amounts of data with massive network effects. MasterCard in particular has a lot of actual, they have a lot of tech stuff they sell. Security, identification, lots of different things they sell to companies. So these are both exciting tech companies reporting earnings this week. And I believe the earnings are gonna be great. If I had to give a guess for both of these companies, I think they're going to have strong earnings results, good revenue, good free cash flow. I think everything will be on point. I'll be shocked if these companies post horrible earnings. When I look at the consistency of Visa and MasterCard, there's nothing else like it. There's companies that are consistent and then there's Visa and MasterCard. Look at the free cash flow growth of this company. Isn't that just phenomenal? It's like a 45 degree angle for over a decade. There's some ebbs and flows year over year. That's how free cash flow works. But overall, we have incredible growth. And then adjusted for stock-based comp on a per share basis, it's even faster, growing at 18% over the past five years. The growth rates of these companies' free cash flow is incredible. MasterCard is the exact same. I look at MasterCard's free cash flow growth and it makes me wanna own more of this company. So when I look at these stocks, I see companies that have incredibly good fundamentals, huge network effects, wide moats. They have very limited competition. This isn't like Spotify that faces Apple Music and YouTube Music and TikTok Music and a million other competitors. MasterCard and Visa are very insulated in the business that they run. So they have a limited amount of competition, great economics. I think they're going to post very strong earnings. Now, after Visa, we move on to Wednesday morning and we have Union Pacific reporting earnings. This is one of the companies that I currently own. It's not exciting. There's nothing exciting about Union Pacific. It is a boring company that does the same thing day in and day out. It has very little disruption and very little news overall. And those are the type of companies I love. Ones where they just are business as usual, making money day in and day out that go to my pockets. Now, the thing that I really like in particular about the earnings setup for Union Pacific is that there's not a lot priced into the stock. It has pretty subdued expectations. In fact, when I look at the multiples of this company, it's trading at a 17 Ford PE. That's not crazy. It's trading at a free cash flow yield of 4%. That's not crazy either. This is pretty low expectations for this company which means that the company just needs to report okay earnings and it should be fine. And it has a lot of wiggle room. There's a lot of wiggle room for upside surprises in the earnings. So I like the setup of Union Pacific. I think it's less risky than companies with higher expectations. If you consider the expectations that Microsoft has, very high expectations. Or 
Visa or MasterCard or Meta. It's had a huge run-up, so it has higher expectations. Chipotle, the same thing as well. Uh, A lot of these companies, the market has raced up this year. A lot of these companies have very high expectations. But if you look at Union Pacific, year-to-date, it's only up 5%. So it's really trailed behind the rest of the market. And that typically means that there's just not as much priced into it. So if I had to give a guess here, I think that Union Pacific's earnings will be right in line. And I think there's a chance it will trade up after earnings. Now let's move on from Union Pacific. And we're going to talk about Meta for a minute. This company, I believe, has the most anticipated earnings of the week. Meta is a company that so far, over the past couple of years, it's been a heavily narrative-driven company. Meaning that what the CEO, Mark Zuckerberg, talks about, what the company's focus is and how he creates the narrative has really moved this stock. When Mark Zuckerberg, a couple years ago, started yapping about the metaverse and saying that he's going to focus a ton of energy, a ton of effort, all this time, and a ton of capital in the metaverse, investors did not like that because the ROCE, the return on capital employed of the metaverse, is unknowable and likely very low. So investors bailed out of the company when he said that that was his primary focus and the North Star. But then Mark Zuckerberg got wise. He decided to pivot. He said that we're going to shift over to having the year of efficiency. When we had the year of efficiency start right here, all of a sudden investors were like, okay, my opinion has changed. Mark Zuckerberg is now being sensible. He's focusing on costs and things that drive actual growth in the company's economics. So the stock zooms back up. So this has largely been narrative driven. Meta is no longer talking about the metaverse. Now Mark Zuckerberg is focused on AI, focused on their core businesses, focused on building properties like threads that compete with Twitter. They're focusing on the things that they're best at, not these unknowable projects with unknowable returns. So as long as Mark Zuckerberg continues on talking about these things, focusing on that, as well as driving incremental growth and revenue and free cash flow, I think that Meta is going to continue to have good results. This earnings, I believe Meta will do fine. I don't have any reason to believe the earnings results will be bad. But I will say I think it's a little bit more of a risky one just because of the massive run-up it's had. Anytime a company's up 135% year-to-date and it's basically a straight line, I think there's a chance you get a 5 to 10% sell-off. That's just the risk you take with a company that's run up that quickly. Now, moving on, we have Chipotle reporting earnings Wednesday after market close. This is a company I really, really like. I've been talking about this company for years. I've been following it for a long time period. I've become convinced that Chipotle is a true compounder, a compounding machine. It has an investment thesis that's very simple. They create a box. The box has food in it. They have a way of distributing the food, creating the food, processing the food, and marketing the food that's very efficient and makes a lot of money. And then the great thing about the Chipotle business model, like these fast casual restaurants, is they can take that box, they can replicate it. They can replicate it again. They can replicate it again. And then they can measure the returns that they're getting on each new restaurant. And once they get that down, they can just repeat the strategy and grow it all across the globe. This is exactly what Starbucks did. Starbucks has 33,000 locations. Chipotle only has 3,000 locations. Chipotle has had such good success. They have such good unit economics. They have such good execution that I believe this company is going to replicate their strategy over and over again, growing to double and four times the size. So Chipotle is a company I really love the business model. I really like the situation of the stock. I like the future growth outlook of it. The big question is the valuation on the company. 
With earnings reports, it's not just about whether or not they beat or miss, it's whether or not they have incredibly high expectations in this stock. And this company has high expectations. If we look at this, the PE ratio right now is 35 and the free cash flow yields 1.7. So the company appears expensive based on the multiples. We have a high PE ratio, a low free cash flow yield. And that's something that investors a lot of times don't like. We like to get deals, so we don't want to buy companies like Chipotle that are growing fast but have high expectations. My guess is Chipotle will have good earnings. That's my prediction. I think that Domino's had okay earnings. I think there's a chance that Chipotle could slightly miss on the top or bottom line, but they're opening up new locations. They're going to be growing earnings very quickly. My guess is that they're going to be on the top and bottom line and have very good growth, very good margins. I think this company's executing on all fronts. So I'm very bullish on Chipotle. I really like the company. Next up, we have McDonald's. Now, like Chipotle, I'm bullish on McDonald's as well. I still believe that all these companies, all the fast food, highly optimized companies have so many things going for it. I've said this for a while. I think these companies are basically advanced vending machines for convenient access to hot meals. So you look at McDonald's and it's the same thing. It's just a box you go to, you get a hot meal. It's very consistent. And with people valuing convenience more than ever, I continue to believe that there's a lot of growth runway with same store sales for McDonald's in the future. So I think McDonald's, like Chipotle, will again have good earnings. I don't see any reason it's going to have really terrible earnings. It offers great value. It's very consistent. I think they have great execution. And I believe that people right now have enough money to afford these services. Now, next up, we have Crocs. This is a great company. The shoe company, really trendy shoes right now. They also own Hey Dude. And a lot of people don't realize that. The company's named after their name brand Crocs, but they do own Hey Dude as well, which is a very fast-growing really comfy shoes. So I think they own two great brands. I think the company has a lot of brand value. I do think that Crocs isn't as much of a meme as people believe. And I have made money on this company. I invested $1,000 into it. It quickly went up 80%. I sold out most of my holdings. So I made $800 on a $1,000 investment. So Crocs has been a great investment for me. I really like the company. If I was to give a hesitation on this company, my big hesitation is simply how it's traded. The company traded up like crazy during the peak of memeing and TikTok and the COVID boom 2021. And then it had a huge fall off, way too much of a sell off. During this time period, I became interested in the company and I was looking at what the insiders of the company were doing. All the insiders, literally almost all of them, were buying up as many shares as they could, spending millions of dollars on buying their own stock. Now, when insiders are doing that, they're buying their own stock, they're not cashing out, that is a hugely positive sign that they are very bullish on the company. And of course, they knew best. They knew that things were going well with the company. They know it better than anybody. The company raced up in stock price. The sales were great. It wasn't just a passing trend. Crocs is around to stay. So for me currently, I think the company's trading at a more reasonable valuation, and I don't expect quite as much outperformance from here on out. So looking at Crocs today, I do believe this is one that has more unpredictable earnings. I can't guess what direction it's going to go, and that's part of the reason I really have a hard time putting a ton of money into this company. It's just too unpredictable. I really feel confident in companies like Microsoft and Visa and MasterCard. I don't have the same degree of confidence in Crocs. So this earnings report, it's going to be a mystery. It'll be a surprise. Hopefully it's good. 
Next up, we have Intel reporting earnings. This is a company that I've been bearish on for a while. I haven't liked Intel. I think it's an incredibly complex company, huge CapEx expenses, tons of intense competition, not a lot of pricing power. It's just in an unfavorable situation as a company. Having said that, the stock price has been hit over the past five years. It's come down dramatically, and the CEO right now is determined to make a comeback with this one. So even though it's down right now, I wouldn't count Intel out. I do think there's room for a recovery. They could get their cash flows moving in the right direction again. So this is one that I'm still, to this day, telling investors it's not one I would invest in. It's not one that I would buy. It doesn't fit my portfolio or my investment thesis. I don't like recovery plays. I don't like companies with weak fundamentals that I'm hoping and crossing my fingers that they turn around. If a company shows it has weak fundamentals, it's getting invaded by competition. It doesn't have pricing power, has a lot of debt, has a lot of capex. Those are companies that I, I sell out of. I wish them well. And then I put my money in companies where things are moving in the right direction. So Intel for me is still in that situation where I'm not betting on it. But in terms of this week's earnings report, I think it could beat expectations. It already has priced very low expectations. Now, the last one we're looking at this week is Roku. Roku's an interesting company. This is one of those Trojan horse companies. That's really what it is. It's a Trojan horse. Roku's a company that they try to sell their TVs, the Roku TVs, for as cheap as possible just to get them into your house. And then when they get the TV in your house for basically break even, they're not even making money on selling you the TV or the Roku device. That's why they're like $10 or $20. When they get them in your house, then they monetize you through advertising on the Roku home screen. Then they monetize you through getting you into the ecosystem of using the apps on the Roku system and advertising you on the Roku system. So that's the Trojan horseplay of this company. Sell device hardware for extremely cheap. Just try to break even on it, get it into as many households as possible, and then make money on the software. I think they're executing their strategy well, but there is competition even within the strategy. They're competing with Apple, they're competing with Amazon, doing the same thing with the Fire TV. So they do face fierce competition. And I, overall, I think the company is okay. I think Roku is an okay bet. If someone owned this company, I wouldn't think they're crazy. The company right now is at too immature of a stage for me to invest in. When I look at the financials of it and I see the free cash flows negative for multiple quarters, I'd be having to guess when is this company actually going to make money? And for me, that's a little bit difficult to say right now. They're going for scale. They're going for size. They're still trying to grow. But for $10 billion for a company that's still free cash flow negative is just not a mature enough state. So Roku right now, I think is... I think it's a fine strategy. I think a fine investment. Now, in terms of this week's earnings report, I do believe it will be a strong one from Roku. That would be my guess. No guarantees. I can't see the future, but Netflix reported their earnings and they gained subscribers. They had great engagement. They're a big streaming service that's often used on Roku. And if Netflix and all the streaming services are doing really well, Roku should be doing really well. So, so Roku should do well. So that wraps up my predictions for the week. And if you want to see analysis after these companies report earnings, make sure you subscribe to the channel with the bell notification. That's all for now. See you in the next one.